BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dream Bigger Podcast. I'm your host, Sif. If you're new here, welcome. I'm so happy you've tuned in. And if you've been here before, I am so happy that you're back. So today's episode is with Jenny Kane. And I have been a Jenny Kane fan for a very long time, okay? Like I pass by her store in West Hollywood all the time. It is absolutely stunning. I see her stuff online and it's always just oh, like so beautiful. I want my entire home to look like Jenny Kane style decor and she's just awesome. Jenny Kane has built this amazing huge brand which is fashion, lifestyle, home and every element is just really really beautiful. So I was super excited to chat with her about her transition from fashion to home how she did it all, get her tips on living a beautiful life. And so I'm really excited for this interview because I think it'll bring you guys a lot of value. I know it brought me a lot of value because it kind of helps me figure out or helped me figure out how I want to decorate my home in the future. Before we dive into the interview, two quick things. First is this week's hot tip. And this week's hot tip is actually to do with a book. So over the last few weeks, I was feeling, I don't want to say lost, but yeah, maybe a little lost. Like I just, I wasn't feeling like myself and I knew that it was my spirituality that was being neglected. I was doing a lot for my mental health, a lot for my physical health, but just, you know, neglecting the spirituality portion of my being, which tends to happen when things get really busy. Like, you know, meditation is often the first thing that goes out the door. And like, you think that that doesn't matter, but it had been like a couple of months for me and I really started to feel the impact of it. So 
I went and I revisited one of my favorite books by Shaman Durek. It's called Spirit Hacking. And I read this book initially, I want to say earlier on in 2021 or maybe late 2020. I don't really remember, but it is an incredible book. What a resource. It just kind of helps you figure out how to connect to your spirit, how to kind of further yourself in that realm. And I'm such a big fan of Shaman Durek. Like I had him on the podcast, episode 79, if you want to go back and listen to it. He's incredible. He did a whole reading on me. He's just, I, I just don't even have the words. He's he's incredible and I love him. And this book has really brought me back to center. It's been such a light and I feel so much more like myself now. Like I feel really grounded, really connected, happier than I have in a couple of months. And I had to recommend the book to you because it really is a game changer for me. I recommended it to Nish as well. I always like tell him little tidbits from the book that I've learned. And, you know, I hope that you guys go check it out because it really is an amazing, amazing resource. Okay. So that being said, let's get into this week's review. So this week's review comes from SR. <laughs> SWNN and it says so thoughtful with so many podcasts in the oversaturated wellness arena it's nice to stumble on something that's authentic insightful and most importantly useful Sif is such a great host it's like she's in my mind she asks the questions I'm thinking of but also manages to guide the conversation in a way that leads me to something new this is an easy podcast to listen to I really hope Sif never loses her voice I just love her taste and her point of view so glad I found this show Oh my God, this is like such a nice review. I am so flattered and so, so grateful to see something like this. And I'm so happy that the show brings you value. Honestly, I it, it means so much to me and it's why I do what I do. So thank you for leaving that review. If you do have five seconds and you like the show, please, please scroll to the bottom of your Apple podcast app. You may have it open right now and leave me a five-star rating and a review. Tell me what you like about the show. Tell me about your favorite episode. I really want to hear from you. It helps me bring you good guests that you love and helps me understand what's really resonating. Also, of course, you know, it helps the show get out to a wider audience, which is always appreciated. So if you can leave a review, please do. With that, let's get into this week's episode with Jenny Kane. So the first question I always like to ask my guests is, what was your big dream when you were growing up? I always wanted to be a fashion designer. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Well, it really came into fruition. <laughs> right? I know. I feel very lucky. My mom took me to a charity fashion show. It was Chanel when I was, I don't know, seven or eight years old. I still remember like the velvet dress that I was wearing. I remember what she was wearing. And I was just completely blown away. Linda Evangelista was in it. It oh my was God. an incredible experience. And I walked out of there and knew that that's what I wanted to do. Really? Mm -hmm. So then like, Everything you did going forward was like the path to becoming a designer, which totally. you became. Yeah. I mean, at a young age, I learned to sew. I made my own prom dress. I like did had you really? little <laughs> businesses here and there. And then, yeah, I went to school for fashion, but I definitely am not a traditional learner. I learned from experience. So after a year, I started working for a designer and I got to go to Europe and buy for her store. I got to help with a small collection that she had. And by 19, I had started my own business. 
Yeah, okay. I, I gotta ask you <laughs> how this came to be because when I was 19, I was out getting drunk with my friends. I was certainly <laughs> not out there starting a ray like I have right, right now. Totally. I think I did that a little earlier in life. And by the time I was 19, I had really matured and grown up and I was really ambitious. I was driven and I think I was naive. I don't, I don't think I had any idea what it entailed. And I think that served me in, in a good way. I feel like being naive, though, is like one of the core parts of being an entrepreneur. Like you you have to be naive. Like I remember when like I had the idea for Array and I went to my dad and I was telling him about it. My dad's like, by the way, like my biggest fan, I have to say. (laughs) But he was like, but you aren't a doctor. Like you're going to start a wellness line. I'm like, yes, because I know that like this is how I want it to be. And I was so naive. And like he's, you know, he's older. And like, of course, like not as naive as I am, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that you have to have that. There's something in that purity and just being super excited about what you want to do and not having fear as the lens you're looking through that I think can make, can make or break you. A hundred percent. So what were, what were the early days like? Like you just decided, okay, I'm going to start <laughs> Jenny Kane line. Yeah. Like, wh- like walk me through that whole time. So in your life. a lot of like learning through making mistakes. I started the collection when I was 19. My first collection was fall 2003. It was the first year that LA had Fashion Week and I had a show there. I basically produced everything in Italy because that's where I had connections. When I had been buying for that store, I made a lot of friends and connections in the fashion business. So I found a pattern maker, fabric resourcer, like production capabilities. And so I would go to Milan and Florence three weeks at a time do all my fittings, do all my sourcing, do everything I needed to do, and then come home. And the first year pretty much looked like that, going back and forth and back and forth. And it was really fun, but it was exhausting. And then I was able to find like resources here and um, kind of moved more of my base to Los Angeles while still producing certain items in Italy. So you did that. And then you actually ended up being in New York Fashion Week, right? Like I remember Jenny Kane was one of the collections. So for the first, I'd say two years I showed in Los Angeles and that, or maybe even like year and a half. And then spring 2006 was my first collection in, in New York during Fashion Week. And I showed up until my daughter was like two years old and she's now 10. So up until eight years ago, I would show three to four times a year, which was incredible and super fun. And the business was just different then. Mm -hmm. And it really, it supported an amazing wholesale business. It helped with growth, with exposure, and it was fun. But it was also exhausting. And once I um, had children, I really wanted to kind of find a balance of how to be a working mom, still be inspired, build a business, but not regret not being there with my kids. Mm -hmm. And so I really kind of looked at how I could change the way I was doing things. And at the same time, I was really noticing that the kind of atmosphere was changing. You didn't need to put all of the resources into showing and into like this kind of like every season's different. Every season Mm -hmm. you have to have new things. It was like a hamster wheel. And so I really shifted my business to what do women want from me? Like, what, do, what is the Jenny Keen woman all about? And that kind of changed everything. Okay, this is, like, actually a very interesting story and transition, and I want to get into that. But even before we do, you started showing in New York Fashion Week. Was this, like, the early days of New York Fashion Week? What was that like versus kind of what it became over time? Like, did you notice any shifts? I think it was really exciting. I think it was a lot of pressure. It was always about, like, making sure the right editors were coming and the right people. For me, it was, like this feeling of putting so much effort into something and taking every 
piece of it so seriously. And then all of a sudden it was like over and it's a little bit of a letdown Mm -hmm. um, because it happened so quickly. And then you gear up to do the next one. It just felt like you never had a break. You were Mm -hmm. always like trying to keep up and, and it's a lot of pressure. I think I've been so out of touch. I haven't been to a show in forever. I think it's more about influencers and, and it's just like a different energy now, but it's probably... It's probably pretty similar in a lot of yeah. ways. What was the process like of getting into New York Fashion Week? And like, how old were you? Because you started when you were 19. So like, you were pretty young when you I got I was young. It. I think I was, um, I think I was in my early 20s. Yeah, I was like 20, 20 21. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just took like, you know, kind of proving yourself and then hoping that you get a good spot. And it, it definitely, it took some finessing. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So you then ended up starting your home line and that was kind of the expansion that you thought of. Like what led, like I know that you're saying that, you know, it was when your kids were born and you wanted to kind of pivot. Why home stuff? So I would say there was a lot in between, but basically I always wanted to have a lifestyle brand. I would look to Ralph Lauren, Donna Karen, Calvin Klein, not necessarily for their aesthetic, but for the businesses that they had built. And I really admired these amazing American designers. So I always wanted to touch all of these different areas, but I never really had the bandwidth. So first step was kind of um, honing in on, on who the Jenny Kane woman was, what she wanted from us. And being able to deliver that season after season, really creating like a core business rather than having everything be new every season. Like I have a sprinkling of things that are new and feel fresh and cool, but you always know that you can get a fisherman sweater from us. You can always get a cocoon sweater. Like there are just certain pieces that you can count on. And that is really like the bulk of our business. So then once we kind of built that into a large business and and honed in on, on who we were, then we were able to open into more categories as our team grew, as our business grew. So home was like a natural next step. And I'm very passionate about home. I started my collection when I was 19. You know, at that time, it was all about fashion. And then when I started designing the home collection, it was all about like, how do I want to live? What feels good? And I was definitely more interiors focused. So it seemed like the perfect next step. Hi guys, welcome to Digging Deep. I'm Dr. Sasha Shokran, the relational doctor, but more importantly, a human just like you with a story that continues to unfold. Each of our lives is compiled of stories, and my job is to help you detangle those stories. As a psychologist, I'm here to tell you that growth is never linear and that life is full of highs, lows, and everything that exists in between. My plan is to dig deeper into the stories that will inspire us, move us and remind us that we're never really alone. Don't miss a new episode of Digging Deep every Monday, anywhere you listen to podcasts. For any young, I guess, like brand founders, I think that you did something so smart by like really honing in on the Jenny Kane brand and who that woman was. And, you know, it it like really shows like when I see your stuff, I know it's yours. Like it's it can't be confused with another brand. Like it's very, very like streamlined and you just know. So for any young brand founders, how do you arrive at that? I think listening to your intuition and your gut is important in every aspect of life and especially in business. And I also think being your authentic self. So everything that I do 
is real and is authentic. And it's all about living well because that's who I am and that's who the Jenny Kane woman is. Mm -hmm. So I think really speaking the same language throughout every category and really believing in who you are. Do you remember like when you first launched like your home thing? Like what was that like? Were you scared? Walk me through that time. I don't think I was scared. I was really excited. I had had a lot of traction on our first home that we built in Los Angeles. It was in Architectural Digest. So I was really used to people coming up to me and being like, oh my God, I love your house. So it felt like I... I knew that people were going to be excited about mm. what we put out there. So it was just about finding the right production resource or resources and figuring out where to start. And what was that beginning like? Because I guess like, you know, when you're expanding into a completely different area, it really is almost like starting from scratch, right? Yeah. So like building the right team definitely has been trying, but we do have a great solid group of women running the home business and I think just finding the right production resources. So we work a lot in Peru with a woman-owned factory and we started with soft talk textiles. That seemed like the, the perfect place to kind of dip our toe. So beautiful pillows, throws, then came candles and decorative accessories and now furniture. So for anyone who is looking to kind of expand their business, like say like, you know, they're doing one thing and then they're like, okay, like, you know, I want mm -hmm. to kind of veer off into like a lifestyle brand. What are some tangible tips that you can give them? I feel like have an amazing team. I always have people, I'm surrounded by people who do a better job at what they do than I do. So like know, know you know, where I am value add and, and where my place is and then really entrust those around you. I think consistency and being authentic is super important and taking it slow, like really seeing what your customer wants from you and testing the market before you go in too deep. How did you test the market? Like, was it just with the pillows and stuff that you did then? Yeah. So doing like smaller things that weren't such a huge commitment, but then also we redid an Airstream, which was incredible, a vintage Airstream. And we took it around the country and we went to different markets so we could really see what the customer loved, what they responded to. And also like, what are great markets for us to go into and to open more retail stores? When did you do this, this Airstream thing? Um, when I was pregnant with Trooper. So uh, four years ago. Wow. That Everything's is, around yeah. when I was pregnant. Yeah. I mean, it's like milestones, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's insane. So what was that experience like, like redoing that Airstream and like, you know, I guess that helped you identify which markets you wanted to go into. Totally. And then just like see what people were responding to. I always believe I love retail because I like being as close to my customer as possible. I feel like when you walk into a store, you can really understand what Jenny Kane is and you just feel it kind of like we were just talking about. And when you walk into a department store and you're one of many brands hanging on a rack, you don't always walk away with that same feel. So the Airstream was like a mini mobile version. And we still do take it around, test new markets. It was just in Aspen, Texas, Atlanta, like it goes all over and it's really beautiful. And so I would meet it in different markets and do different events with it. I love that. That is such a cute idea. <laughs> what can you teach us about listening to and talking to your customers because for us even I always like you know a lot of the best ideas that we've had and like how we've been able to like refine our brand is to constantly be speaking to our customers so yeah what are your lessons there so I think that's what it's all about and I think a lot of designers have such ego about creating um things that are special or new or like feel inspiring to them and all of that's amazing but that's not what drives me what drives me is creating beautiful things for women to live well so 
I want to hear from them. I want to know what they want more of or less of. Sometimes we'll do, um, you know, the questions or polls on Instagram, which is like a nice way to do it. A lot of times when we're designing a new collection or thinking about a product, we'll send out company-wide polls. So from the marketing team to the e-commerce team, but really what I love is going to the stores and the managers because they're in touch with the customers every day. So while I value everyone's opinion, hearing what the girls in the store think or, or what they want is always invaluable. Totally. What's the process like of opening a new store? (laughs) It's a well-oiled machine at this point. I have an incredible head of retail who helps kind of identify the market. Usually we do send an Airstream or the Airstream or do like a, an event in that area. And then also we're looking at metrics from e-commerce and where orders are coming from and all of that. And Basically, we have design meetings where sometimes they're, I mean, most of the time now they're virtual where pictures are sent of the space once we identify it. And then we kind of decide what finishes we're going to use, how we're going to lay it out, what merchandise is going to go into it. So we're opening two new stores this fall, which is really exciting. One in Soho, which is home only, and one in Brentwood, which is also home only. So these will be the first two standalone home stores, which I'm super excited about. That is incredible. I'm definitely going to go check out those. Um, It's very exciting. But what about early days? Like, what was it like to open your first store? Like, what are some, like, lessons you can pass on to people who are thinking of brick and mortar? So my first two stores were very different. My first store in West Hollywood is is just a beautiful, special space. It was a little bit larger. I put everything into it. Is it the current West Hollywood store? Yeah. Oh, that was your first one? It's the Almont store, yeah. So I've had that store at least 14 years, maybe 15. Mm. And I definitely spent more on the build out that I should have. I put so much into the design. Everything was um, green and eco-friendly. And it was definitely a learning experience. And it wasn't on a highly trafficked street. It was just special. I think it's amazing. It does well and it's great. But now when we look, we definitely look for highly trafficked areas. So my second store was in the Brentwood Country Mart. Oh, and that yeah, is just I've like constant people coming through. So you can't compare the business of the two because the amount of foot traffic that one gets to the other is crazy. And it's a much smaller footprint. And we do more business out of it. So I think finding the right location, the right size, and then figuring out like the fixturing is really a science. And when you opened your first store, what was it like to bring in staff? Like, were you there yourself a lot? Like, what was that whole process like? Yeah, so I would, I, there's a little, well, there, we've redone it now, but there was a little back office and I worked out of the back, you know, almost every day. So even though I had a different office, I was there because I wanted to like be as close to my customer as possible. I did all of the buying and yes, it was hard to find people, you know, that felt authentic to the brand and and amazing but we have had a lot of of good luck and success with that that's amazing you I mean Jenny Kane now I feel like everyone kind of knows Jenny Kane right like it's not a new young brand anymore what were some of the challenges you faced when you were a young brand because I think that when someone looks at a brand like yours it's established and Mm -hmm. it's amazing like it it can just feel like oh my god like Mm -hmm. you know it's overnight success. Like here they are. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
Yeah, it takes persistency and and believing in yourself. I mean, there's so many times that I would try to get into a new store or department store and um, was hit with resistance. And now those department stores or stores would be lucky to have us. So I think really believing in what you're doing and staying consistent is and persistent is super important. A hundred percent. So your business exploded during COVID, which mm-hmm. is just incredible. Can you share a little bit about your strategy and like how you met consumers where they were? Because I mean, it was a challenging time for a lot of brands, but some really came out on top. Yeah, I think it's a super challenging time. It was challenging for retail for sure. A lot of our stores closed down. We had a bunch of new stores opening, which was super stressful. But the president, who's now the CEO of Jenny Kane, is so passionate and incredible and smart. And she just pivoted and was able to, you know, see the writing on the wall and change the change what we were offering to people on e-commerce. So we did we couldn't rely on retail because everything was closed. So making sure that what was on the site was what women could wear at home and really kind of embracing the fact that we were all at home, but we were on our Zooms and we were working and we do want to feel beautiful and cozy. And so leaning into t-shirts and sweaters and slippers and all of the things that we do really well. And I feel like we were able to offer women kind of what they needed in that moment. And then as things started to open up, we started to add a little bit back more, like back. We were able to kind of pull back and then and then press the gas. I think it's it's like it's so necessary and it's smart for brands to be able to pivot like that because you're right. Like for me, I didn't just want to be bumming around in my PJs. Like I actually still wanted to look nice and chic even though I was at home. It's just like I just had to tailor, like, I guess the way I was dressing, you know? Totally. So I became like a customer of brands who could offer me that, you know? I think just even for all of us emotionally and mentally, like, you don't want to be in your pajamas all day, even though that's maybe nice once in a while on a Sunday. It it, impacts productivity. Totally. Like, you just, you can't do that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's nice that, like brands like yours exist and, you know, you were able to serve customers because being in your PJs all day, like... It's it's like it's not it's not the totally move. <laughs> it's really not the move um, for young entrepreneurs. What are your tips for building a digital presence and having a community? Yeah, so I'm not super, super involved with all of the intricacies of um, kind of our digital e-com, mm-hmm. all of that. But what I will say, and I think I've said this a couple times, is just being authentic. So really across all channels, not compromising because that may sell more. So for me, we we started the blog. I hate calling it a blog, but we started part of the site um, where I created content that was really authentic to what so I was good. interested in at the time. So for me, that was you know wellness, entertaining, interiors, and it was really a vehicle to share what I was passionate about and highlight women that were equally as passionate about those things. And there were so many times where I could have sold out. I, you know, I, I could have been sponsored by people to do things. And that's just not interesting to me. I want people to always look at Rip and Tan, which is now integrated into the site, and believe that those are things that I really believe in because they are. So I think whether it's on your site or your Facebook or Instagram, kind of integrating everything and being authentic is really important. Yeah, that you're like that, I guess, part of the website is 
really, really good. Thank like, you. Like it's like so editorial and like I there's always a value add, which I think is amazing. It's so, so great. So if someone moves into a home, okay, you know, it can be really overwhelming to decorate everything. Mm-hmm. How should they start? I always say take your time and live in a space before you kind of fill all the holes because sometimes what you think you would want is not actually what you will want because it's not the way that you function in the space. So I think starting with the basics, like starting with a sofa and a coffee table and a couple of chairs, then you can layer on all of the other pieces on top of it. So kind of start with a framework. I like to keep those things pretty neutral and then, um, I like pops of color with art, with accessories, sometimes with, you know, textiles. What's your process? Like, do you have, like, do you do like a mood board before you get into a <laughs> space? Like, tell us 101. Yeah. So for interiors, I always do mood boards. I have just like tons for everything, for entertaining I have tons of Pinterest boards and I just pull everything that I think fits into the world of the space that I am designing and then go from there. Yeah. So, I mean, I like I think that having a mood board just helps kind of totally in on your thoughts. Totally. Yeah. Otherwise, it can just feel like a lot. Yeah. I'm really visual and I and I really do believe in in taking your time. So I don't think everything has to be perfect right away. And I think people make mistakes. I also think investing in pieces that are a little bit nicer may take people more time. You know, you can't just buy everything you want at once. So rather than buying a less expensive or or a lower quality version, I would wait a couple months, wait a year until you can afford what you want. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, I, I feel like it took me forever to get my apartment to like where I wanted it to be. Like it was a work in progress for like, I want to say a couple of years before yeah. I got like everything great. But like, When I did, I was so happy with the result and I was happy that I didn't like rush and like, you know, try to do all of the rooms perfectly all in one go. Like it was just a lot more digestible. Totally. What are some things that people can add to their home to make it more beautiful and aesthetically pleasing and just like elevate it? Well, I think it depends on the vibe, but I always love adding in pottery. I feel like it's um, such a beautiful accent in terms of texture, always feels kind of organic and natural. I think layering pillows, throws, sheepskins, like things like that always can make a big difference. And then and then art. I mean, whether it's photography or prints or paintings, I think having art on the walls really like completes a room. What about when you are remodeling like a space like what what is that process like is it the same like mood board all of that like say you're just like ripping out a kitchen and stuff totally so I would start with what do I ideally want the space to look like and pull inspiration whether it's for you know texture color cabinetry um, surfaces you know find something that speaks to everything that you're looking for and then start to go out there and source it and and lay out the room so that it functions for you. So if you're doing a kitchen, like making sure that the way you're designing it is going to hold everything that you have, that when you're cooking in it, everything is within arm's reach and and that the flow makes sense. And for the way you live, like for me, we have to have an island with stools because we like to all sit together, you know, while I'm cooking and everyone can eat. And, and that's what works for our family. Some people may not need an island. Mm-hmm. Where do you go to find inspiration? 
I'm most inspired when I travel. So I think that's a combination of being in nature, being in beautiful places, but then also not having so much on my plate in that moment that my my head can get quiet. And I I usually I usually say, you know, I'm out of office, but I end up sending more emails while I'm on vacation than when I'm working because it all just kind of starts to flow. It's true. And I've read somewhere that entrepreneurs almost need to find time to be bored because that's when they have their best ideas. And like, I feel like I'm the same way that like all of a sudden when I'm traveling, it's like, oh my God, like inspiration has struck. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I think it's difficult if you're not in the right mindset, you can't force being inspired. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So you have an interior design service now. Mm -hmm. Tell me about it. So basically we have had so many requests over the years to do interiors And for the most part, we would just turn them down because we didn't have the bandwidth or, you know, I couldn't do it personally. And so we hired an amazing team and we will take on select small projects. So like right now we're finishing one in Lake Tahoe, in Arrowhead. Like I like the idea of them being these beautiful second homes. Not sure if that'll continue, but we, you know, do everything. So design um, through the construction phase, furnish But the idea is that if you are hiring us, it's because you love the Jenny Kane aesthetic and that you want to furnish your home with a lot of Jenny Kane. So you're basically going to end up with a beautiful Jenny Kane home. So what's the process like? I come to you and I'm like, hi, I need my home done. Like walk me through. (laughs) So basically uh, people inquire and there's like kind of a back and forth interview process to see if everyone's like-minded and it seems like we would be a good fit because the last thing you would want is for it not to be. It's a very intimate process. I feel like it's the most money people are spending on anything in their lives is their homes. So we really want to give people what they want and make sure that it's, you know, everyone is, has good energy and it's all good. So then once that happens, then we would talk about like, well, how does the person want to live? And how many children do they have or not children or um, like how do they want to function in the space and kind of come up with a game plan and then start all of these mood boards just like I would for my own home and then start decks of okay here's the real furniture here's how we would furnish it paint colors all of that were you always just did you have an eye for like decor and interiors like right from the start yeah I definitely think it's um, evolved and I've honed in on on it a little bit more but yes I've always been super passionate about interiors and I think design is design like whether it's for your home or um, the way you're setting your table or what you're wearing, it's all one world. Yeah, I mean, and and yours, like I just, I can't get over how cohesive everything is and like how beautiful like every little element is, like literally from like the little throw to the <laughs> candle. Like it's, Thank I don't you. know, it's it's just so, so cohesive. I'm a Virgo and I always say all the details matter. So they that's, do. that's where I think the magic is. I love it. Tell me about your foray into beauty. I'm very excited. So I'm really passionate about beauty. I have always been, at least, you know, since I was pregnant with my first son, Tanner, who just turned 13, which blows my mind. Wait, you have a 13-year-old child? Yeah, and I'm literally, I'm 18, so I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, I mean, your skin would tell me you're 18, so. No, (laughs) it blows my mind. He turned 13 on Monday, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But uh, when I when I got pregnant, I became super into what I was putting in and on my body. And I was reading so much about like, you know, nonstick pans and Teflon ending up in your breast milk. And I was just mortified. Finding beautiful natural skincare has been fun, but has also been a challenge. So this definitely was a category that I'm really inspired and passionate about. And we launched Oak in August, which is 
organic wherever possible, super clean, really, really, really beautiful five essential pieces. So what is in the collection? So we started with what I thought they were the five basic things that every woman needs. So a cleansing balm, doesn't strip your skin, great way to wash off makeup. Love it. Um, an amazing, you know, like hydrosol face spray, which just feels um, refreshing every time you use it. I have a lot of girls that just keep it on their desk and like spritz all day. A beautiful ritual um, face oil, which is blue from the blue tansy and smells incredible. Uh, it's good for all skin types. Okay, what's blue tansy? It's like an amazing amazing uh, like herb. It just smells so good. <laughs> and and it's really anti-inflammatory and calming. And I don't know, there's something in the smell that evokes a feeling for me that makes me well, happy. Aromatherapy is like a real thing. Totally. I mean, I think when it came to designing the skincare, efficacy and it being clean were the, the two most important things followed by like, how does it smell? Because how does it make you feel when you put it on? That's important to me. And then an amazing moisturizing balm and a honey face mask. What does honey do for the skin? Well, it's anti-inflammatory. It's like, I mean, honey is good for everything. So it just like brightens and um, exfoliates and makes you look like dewy. I mean, your skin looks extremely dewy right Thank now. Thank you. I just came from horseback riding, so I feel like I have a line on my forehead from my helmet. But <laughs> You definitely cannot tell. Thank you. This has been such a fun conversation. Tell everyone where they can find you. At oakessentials.com at jennycane.com and at jennycanehome.com. And Instagram? <laughs> at jennycane, at Oak Essentials, at jennycanehome. Amazing. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif Hyder. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week.